Hello and welcome to another episode of the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories. I'm Mark and I'm joined today by... Eleanor. Hi Eleanor. Hi Mark. Uh, we're here to talk about stories. That should be no surprise given the name of our podcast. Yes indeed, a recent name change. A recent name, yes, a, a reinvention. Mm. We're like Madonna. A reappraisal. Oh Madonna. Oh reappraisal, I like that. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. what we... You know, because it's, it's, it's a more accurate reflection and presentation of what it is we do. Yeah, I mean, we talk about stories. We've done dip, we've done where the story begins and our mm-hmm. and our previous podcast. But no matter what we do, we end up talking about stories. Yes, indeed. But talking about stories isn't a good title for a podcast. No, talking stories works much better. I mean, if 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 you're at home during lockdown and you want to make a podcast called Talking About Stories, then be our guest. Yeah, or, or actually, let us be your guest. I'd love to go on more podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, we will have more people on here once the world allows us to. Yes, uh, We've just entered another six weeks of lockdown, so it's nice to be able to record these podcasts and put them out for people to enjoy while uh, people's circumstances change over the next while. Indeed. So we're, we're going to be talking about stories, yes, which as indeed. I said, no surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but what story are we going to talk about today? We're going to be talking about a story called The Cave of the Cats, which is based up in the Cave of the Cats, Oenagat, in Rathcrogan in County Roscommon. I love Roscommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good things about Roscommon. Sorry, however, <laughs> that sounded like I wouldn't, but my yeah. mother-in-law is from Roscommon, and I love Lockheed Forest Park. It's a, it's an amazing part of the country. Mm. Um it's the UFO capital of Ireland. Is it? Yes, oh it is. And they actually used to have the, the, the World UFO Convention up there. Unfortunately, Betty passed away, I think, five or six years ago now. Oh, no. And it hasn't been done since. Uh, but we visited Roscommon a couple of times on field trips as well. Yes, including the Cave of the Cats. I was thinking more about the time we went to the Arigna Mines, the coal mines, which I oh. absolutely loved. It wasn't as relevant mm-hmm. to what we do, but it was amazing to be shown around these old coal mines mm. by someone who worked there as a child. There was a, wow. a guy there who was fairly on in his years and he'd worked there as a teenager uh, back when they were given like two candles when they were going in. Oh my God. It was uh, it's a, it's a spectacular landscape there. So there's no surprise at all that it's given birth to amazing stories, especially the likes of The Cave of the Cats, the story mm-hmm. of Rat Krogan. Mm-hmm. Will we take it away? Let's... Fantastic. This story is told by Emily. Once upon a time, when Queen Maeve ruled over Connacht, with her husband Aleel by her side, she was busy conducting her day, doing the things that a queen needed to do, when she suddenly heard a voice calling to her. It was the voice of her daughter, Vindivar, and she sounded to be in great distress. When asked what it was, she said that she had seen three chariots coming towards them. Maeve asked her daughter to describe the chariots and the men in them, and so she did, describing the three warriors she had seen. And as Findivar described them, Maeve knew their names. These were men of Ulster, Ulster which was ruled over by King Connor MacNessa, Maeve's hated enemy, and also her ex. These were the three greatest warriors of the Red Branch Knights. Loigora, the Triumphant, Connell, the Victorious, and of course, Cúchulain, the Hound of Ulster. 
Maeve knew it could be no good thing if these three warriors were coming to her door, but there were laws of hospitality, and so Maeve called for a feast to be prepared and made ready to welcome the three warriors into her home. When the three were welcomed into the feasting hall, they made their reason for travelling there known. All three men had been at a feast, a feast held by Brickrew, who was known for wanting to stir up trouble. And when the time came for the champion's portion, the best portion of meat to be given out, Brickrew asked the question, which of these three men, Loigera, Cunnel and Cuhullen, should be awarded the champion's portion, and thus deemed the greatest warrior? Great warriors the three may have been, but they had fragile egos, and none of the three could bear the thought that he was not the greatest champion in Ulster. And so, hoping to avoid a fight, King Conor MacNessa had sent the three out, sent them to Queen Maeve, for her to decide who was the champion, she being such a great queen after all. This was a cunning trick on Conor MacNessa's part, for if Maeve gave judgment in favour of one of the champions, she offended the other two. But Maeve, she was equal to Connor in her cunning, and she soon came up with a plan. For it was close to Samhain. Samhain, or Halloween as we know it today, is a time when the veils between the worlds grow thin, when things from one world cross to the other. And it was well known that on the night of Samhain, from the cave of Cruachon, there would come great beasts, demonic cats with eyes of flames, with nails of steel. And some bright spark, possibly Alil, had decided that the perfect place to erect a new feasting hall was just by the cave of Cruachon and the cats seemed to think it was great sport to come out of their cave, torment those in the feasting hall and tear it down. And so Maeve, well, she thought she might be able to solve two problems at once. She told the three champions that they were to defend the feasting hall on the night of Samhain. Whoever could defeat and slay these demon cats, well, he would, of course, be the true champion. And so the three stationed themselves around the feasting hall as the sun set, preparing to do battle with the cats. And the cats came, prowling through the darkness. The warriors saw their gleaming eyes. The cats hissed, and it was the sound of water being dropped on hot rocks. Steam seemed to rise from their teeth. The three warriors, though, they'd fought bravely, but any time they tried to slash with a sword or stab with a spear, well, the cat would be there one moment, then gone the next, only to appear right behind the warrior, ready to tear his flesh with their terrible claws. All night the battle commenced, and when the sun rose, the cats, well, they simply vanished away, leaving the three warriors bloodied and exhausted and no closer to discovering which of them was the true champion. Maeve was bitterly disappointed. Neither of her problems had been solved. The cats had not been slain. Neither had the warriors. But Maeve had another plan. She had each of the warriors sent to a separate room, provided with food and water to bathe, and then she visited each of them, one by one. 
she went to the room of Loigra. She presented him with a bronze cup, chased with beautiful silver birds. She whispered in his ear that he was the true champion, but he would be wise not to tell it to the others, lest they become jealous. But he should take this cup, knowing that she had judged him the greatest. Loigra, he took the cup and promised he wouldn't breathe a word of it to either of his companions. Then Maeve went to the room of Connell. She presented him with a cup of white gold, with silver on the edge. She told him that he was the true champion. She had known it the moment he was here, and he was to take this cup as his prize, but not to breathe a word to the other two. They would only be jealous. It would only cause a fight. And Connell accepted the cup and Maeve's counsel. And then Maeve went to the third room, to the room of Cúhollin. Maeve, she gave him a golden cup. She told him he was the greatest champion of Ulster. Cúhollin, the hound. Everybody knew it. They just didn't want to make the other two jealous. So he was to take this cup as his prize, but not breathe a word to either Loigra or Connell. Each of the three champions, the three warriors, took his cup and Maeve's counsel to keep silent, and in the morning they left Rathcrogan, each with a smug smile on his face, thinking he knew a secret the other two did not know. Maeve, she watched the three champions leave her kingdom, content in the knowledge that she had returned the tricky problem to King Connor MacNessa. He'd have to sort the problem out himself, or perhaps find someone else to deal with it. But what King Connor did next, and where the three champions next travelled, well, that's another story. And that was Emily telling us the story of the Cave of Cats. She has such a distinctive voice. Yes, she does. She it, has a, a great air of authority that's perfect for someone like Queen Maeve. Yeah, yes, yeah. And mm. we, we, we spoke recently about, um, you know, the perspective that you see a story from and, mm. you know, how people's voices suit certain characters in it. And I was saying how I like to kind of play with the, the, the person I am. I like to take yes. a female perspective. I Again, I love, and I know I say it a lot, I love when you take it from particularly a young male perspective. Uh, but Emily is very much in that space. Very kind of bardic style of storytelling. Mm. And it becomes as, as important as the story itself, mm-hmm. I find, when she's doing, is that she brings that that, that, that essence to it. But yeah. it very much is a Queen, a Queen Maeve story. Yes, it is. Yeah, and... <laughs> um, it deals with an awful lot for such a small story, you know, mm-hmm. and and the relevance and importance of Rat Krogan. She does manage to make it all about her. It's like how, like how the Cave of the Cats is so small on the outside, but really huge on the inside. Well, that's the other world. They just, that's I mean, true. you're no longer in the physical world. That was mm-hmm. this idea that you go, you step through this portal mm. and you're somewhere else. We were discussing this recently about mirrors with Tom. Yes. And, um, yeah, and actually there's going to be a piece in the newsletter about this as well. But this idea that you're no longer on this plane when you step into that world. No. Um, but it, it's strange, like, when you see the introduction of the, the three guys, you know, come along, the victorious, the triumphant, these the amazing Kukulin, names yeah. that they have. Yeah. And yet they're quite simple two-dimensional characters within this... Within this to- story and this telling. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 
If you were to have a an adjective after your name, like Mark the blank, what Grump, would it be? Grumpy, I don't even need <laughs> the abrasive. Oh, actually, mm. I like that. Mm. Mark the abrasive. Yes, because you could because there's like abrasive in in conversation or socially, and then I I, I assume there's a more physical or perhaps battle-worthy meaning to abrasive as well. I'm quite hairy, so I'd be mm. like a Brillo pad, like some kind of scouring yeah. pad, I imagine as well. But yeah, abrasive, sorry, I'm going to keep that and use it. Yeah, do. But, um, but what about you? Oh, God, Eleanor, the... I think, you know, my enemies would call me Eleanor the Shrill, but um <laughs> shrill oh okay okay <laughs> um, um but my friends would call me eleanor the um eleanor the considered consider it yeah that's actually something i've mentioned to you as well before mm. about about how you communicate it always feels oh the measured but yeah uh, but it, there, there is like kind of the there is that thing about how like those characters are bolstered in that with such incredible mm. names and of course yeah that's their Coo- identity Cucullin doesn't need that Cucullin simply is yes um, but they're they're again like I said quite shallow characters within this story within this telling anyway yeah uh, and so easily tricked and it's they're quite fragile because all they're concerned mm-hmm. was like, I'm the best please validate me tell me I'm the best yeah and they've been sent on like uh, this this not not a wild goose chase, but they've been sent on this long journey to try and get this this validation as well by uh, King Connor. Yeah, well, King yeah. Connor just passed like, the book. He, yeah, exactly, passed the book, and yeah. he, like referred it to. It's it's kind of like going, oh, go ask your mother. Mm. It's very much that kind of feel. Yeah. Um, of course, they were they were formerly lovers. Indeed. Um, she doesn't tend to do great with relationships. Uh, no. Her relationship with Lille as well is a competitiveness there. Yes. Um. But she's definitely the, I suppose she's the hero of this story because she wins just by, she's had it, the book, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. passed to her. Yeah. And then she manages to convince them all that they're great. Yeah. And and pass it on back. But it doesn't actually get resolved. And as Emily says, and so, so, so beautifully says, well, that's a story for another day. Indeed. Yeah. But it's um, it's amazing to see how they can depict a character like Ku Cullen. And how that they're so easily manipulated. Yes, and that the three are so so interchangeable as well. You literally could have put anyone in that place. Yeah. Well, let me ask you if the yeah. if it was reversed, because we do we do love a bit of uh, gender reversal and, mm. and playing around with that with the squishiness of it all. I'd like to think if it was a male, a traditionally masculine character, though I find uh, Maeve has a lot of kind of what would be considered masculine traits and their behaviours. Mm-hmm. But I think um, I think a male character in place of Maeve would have treated it differently. But more importantly, I think if it was three female warriors coming up, and this is in my limited experience of, I mean, I've mostly sisters and traditionally worked with more women than men as well, is they would have been like, Oh no 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 no! You're the best. <laughs> you are. The, you should have no. You should have the hero's portion. I saw you the other day in the battlefield. You were amazing. No, you have it. I practically did nothing. Is that? Um, is it unfair for me to say that? But that's how I'd see um, it going. I think it. I think definitely. I I completely see where you got that. Yeah. Um, because we've all been part of that at some stage or have witnessed it. I think. Um. I think in front of 
other women, it certainly might be the case, but I think like the stakes are probably too high for them not to learn to talk themselves up, especially in this sort of context and in this sort of society and in front of the men. Like they have to be able to talk about themselves in the way the male warrior could. Yeah, yeah. It's you probably... know, pick an adjective for themselves. Yeah, or, you know, yeah. sorry, an adjective is given to you. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, who, yeah, who choose? I know we chose our own. Yeah, we did. But who, yeah, who really? I mean, giving, that's like giving yourself a nickname. Mm. You know, you can't really apply that stuff to yourself. It should be, it should be earned. Yes. But, uh, no, that's a very interesting question. Um, I think if, 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 it, if a group of three female warriors had come to... Um, the king as it oh you know we, we we're trying to decide who amongst us is the best can you uh, can you tell us definitively once and for all i don't think there would have been that pressure of uh-huh, of, of offending the, the the other two if they mm. picked one i think yeah it's it's sarah the two of you go off and practice okay. sarah just being a name i picked out of nowhere well i think we just give people actions in the future yes I'd actually love to hear that people listen to this, like kind of drop us a message and let us know what theirs would be. Yes. Are you Anna the Tall or Brendan the Loquacious? <laughs> okay, you're using big words now, so... Um, you can choose a big word for yourself, do. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's true. But um, this, it's it, you know, it's not dissimilar to a lot of, a lot of other stories where mm. someone, a warrior is seen approaching from the distance... Yes. But it's amazing, and kind of, and again, uh, the, the daughter's name in the story, mm. uh, Vundavar, um It's an amazing name, Vundavar. 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 Yeah. Um, that's the Long. thing about like being a lonely child and reading an awful lot of these is you never heard words being spoken. No, you learned to, to pronounce them, or you learned the words by reading them. And, yeah, yeah. And it's very similar now to like when you see people's like usernames and you know mm. and avatar and stuff like that. You. You, it's it's not outwardly spoken. Mm. So when it comes to actually pronouncing some of these things, especially when you have numbers and symbols and everything thrown yeah. into, it's like the issue with prints all over again. Um, but yeah, sorry to get back to the, the, my comment about our daughter is as soon as the daughter is describing the people, Maeve immediately knows who they are. Yeah, like she's been expecting them. Yes, and it's it, it it's um. Well, I mean, but also because, you know, these are very famous warriors. Yeah, yeah, no, they are, they are. But let's be honest, every second person was a warrior in Ireland at the time. It <laughs> yeah. seems, you know, the stories of amazing feats and deeds that were done. But, um, yeah, the same one's creeping up again and again. Of course, the Red Branch Knights uh, being hailed as the greatest warriors in all of Ireland. Mm. It makes me wonder then, you know, um, because I was thinking that if... You know, we don't hear about all the warriors. We hear no. about the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, history is written by the victors and all of that. And um, so then it makes me wonder, you know, you know, who wrote this story, who recorded this story and what was it intended for? Is it, was it meant to, you know, capture, you know, uh, the cunning of Queen Maeve at the expense of these warriors, at the expense of Coo Colin? Looking at a lot of Queen Maeve stories, I'd, I'd say you've absolutely nailed it there. Mm. It, it is her wit winning over. Yes. Um, because she wasn't her, always successful. Her diplomacy as well. Her, yeah, her diplomacy. Um, 
because she wasn't always she wasn't always the winner you no. know I mean she had a number of run-ins with Coo Cullen mm-hmm. they didn't all she didn't always get what she wanted no uh, though ultimately in the end she did alright um, but she's very competitive with her partners as well yes yeah if she, if any, any of them can stick around long enough to become a partner yeah but even how she like um, our, now again we're basing this on Emily's telling of the story and mm-hmm. said it can be completely different if I was to go and read it now or mm-hmm. listen to it as a storyteller it'd be a very different perspective I'm sure but um, there's a bitterness and a uh, she takes cheap shots I find Maeve does hmm. maybe that's how I'm hearing it but the, how the, the feast hall was was built so close to Rathcrogan yeah, yeah. yeah. a notorious Aaliyah. a notorious doorway to the other world yeah but there was a thing of them living kind of like side by side with the other world Mm. and it takes us down again to how these these portals weren't one way I mean we see an awful lot of our stories where you get engagements and interactions between our other world people mm-hmm. and our and our gods mm-hmm. and these more earthly characters yes indeed and especially this story is set at Samhain yes of course yes. yeah well what a great time for feasting oh yeah um, I mean our calendar just gives us ample opportunity to celebrate uh, but of course, sound is one of those great times where everything is plentiful. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's uh, you know sort of time to harvest. It's a harvest festival, so there's it's bountiful. Yes, the best that you put aside what you'll need for the winter. But outside of that, it's like it's a free for all when it comes mm-hmm. to food. But great stories set at sound, like like uh, Nira and the Corpse. Yes, indeed. Fionn become a leader of the Fina, mm-hmm. and of course, the story of the Cave of the Cats. Yes, indeed, and. Um, a, a lot of the part, of the, a, a big part of the story that's kind of that I keep forgetting when I think about it is actually that they have to that 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 there is these these cursed cats, um, big cat problem uh, that come out at Samhain and, and 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 raging and fighting and that the, the Maeve sends the warriors to deal with it mm-hmm. and usually that's where the story would end. You know when they yeah. come out victorious, but in this one, it's it. It feels like almost a footnote to well, me. See, it's so in a, in a very similar story, which is mm-hmm. Fionn becoming leader of Athena. Mm. It's very much told from Fionn's perspective. He is the warrior. The story yeah. is about him. Yeah, and of course, again, there's a creature coming out mm-hmm. um, from the other world to destroy a hill. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, it's 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 mm-hmm. almost laughable how similar they are. Yeah, and and defeating that creature allows Fionn to get what he wants. Yeah, so it's very much about Fionn, and for Fionn, it's a victory because he defeats Alan. Mm -hmm. But in this, the cats aren't really the enemy of Maeve. No, it's the situation is more of a nuisance for Maeve. So it's not it's not even a story of defeat because she's victorious, but because what she wanted was not to have to deal with the issue. So the cats are like a secondary kind of. uh, kind of villain in it mm-hmm. though I hate the villainization of cats in stories oh yeah uh, yeah it's a big I mean I have my two wonderful cats at home Delboy and Rodney and mm-hmm. cats do not come across well in um, in Irish in Irish mythology bad luck but even that why why are they bad luck because when you start kind of breaking down the whole mm-hmm. Friday the 13th which we'll be celebrating a, a Friday the 13th in November mm-hmm. um, when you look into it it's like a cat walking towards you is good luck. A cat walking away from you is bad luck. So the, the, the cat walking towards you was walking away from me. 
we're on opposite sides of a table. That's yeah. true. So it's all perspective. But listen, there's no good lucky. I mean, if you're lucky in some way, someone is on the other end of that. It's the butterfly effect. Ah, yeah. karma. Karma, yes. Yeah. What, what goes up must come down. That's gravity for you now. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, that's... I don't think uh, mm. there's a there's a, 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 a physics uh, element to karma at all. Okay. I didn't do science. I don't know. Mm. But uh, the way... Um, the way Maeve finally deals with this at the end is going to them each individually and saying, you're the best, don't tell the others I said that. Which just bangs of parenthood. Um, <laughs> and it's very... It's a kind of harmless kind of thing. Yeah, no, it absolutely <laughs> does. It absolutely does. I say that both as a parent and as a former um, child. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she she's trying to appease them all, but really, what she wants is just peace and quiet. It's like, yeah. it's go and let me watch my TV, and it works. That you know, the the next day they go off happy, and she's left November first. Yeah, yeah. But she's just pushing the problem off down the road, and she's making it someone else's problem. Like you said, passing the book, mm-hmm. passing it back to Connor, just as he passed it to her. Like returning a serve in tennis. Yes, indeed. Um, to bring it back to the cats again, because I'm cat obsessed, mm-hmm. but more more so, the, I suppose the animal side of things. You'll see in a lot of kind of Irish folk tales where animals are given a voice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where it's not unusual in Irish mythology to see interaction between people and animals, mm-hmm. and there to be an understanding between them, and 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 it's communicative. Mm-hmm. If I said that word right, yes. Uh, but in this, the cats. Just serve the purpose of being a nuisance. Yes, of being chaotic. Yeah. Yeah, they don't speak our language as many animals and Irish stories do. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't bother learning theirs. No. No. And then they just disappear into the ether. They're yeah. they're gone again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the story is being told from the warrior's perspective, like okay, even if they hadn't won, it would have been the the breaking of dawn or the the light coming in through the opening Rakogan that would cause the shadowy demonic cats to to disperse mm. and, and gone probably for another year, back to sound the following year. Yeah. But um, yeah, the characters again are very two dimensional. The only character with any real weight in this story seems to be Maeve, as she would want it. It's yeah. It it does it does her justice. Mm-hmm. I think we leave it there, Mark. Yeah, we've done enough uh, talking about that particular story. I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're going to be back with more. We're going to be back with another podcast in two weeks. Of course, we'll have our videos in the meantime and our Instagram lives and any way that we can communicate with people, we will. Yes, indeed. Please keep in touch and tune in on social media and wherever you listen to our podcast for more. And thank you so much for joining us and for helping us talk stories today. So thank you for Melner, Thank you for me. And, and thank you from all our storytellers here at the National Leprechaun Museum. Stay safe. Mind yourselves. Goodbye. <laughs>